that's the thing that a lot of people get quote unquote scared or worried about you know like i don't want to do my dna because i'm, I'm <laughs> too scared to know what the problems are but what's ironic is there's ways to fix you know all of these issues you know it's a lot better to figure yeah. them out yeah. yeah and then you can actually make decisions on how extreme you want to go to fixing them do you want to know what it is body mind empowerment get stronger faster smarter quicker friendlier more helpful more driven everything the body needs control your mind welcome to the body mind empowerment podcast i'm your host seamlands and our guest today is dr anthony J. he's currently at the mayo clinic who is researching stem cells and epigenetics in this episode dr J is also going to analyze my dna and we're going to go through some of the changes that i need to make or some of the ideas i have to keep in mind there are so many research benefits to having good fat in your diet, but there's just one little problem. If you can't properly digest the fat, you won't feel good, and a lot of people lack the key nutrients needed to digest fat. One of the best digestive aids I've come across comes from my friends over at BioOptimizers, and it's called Capex. First, it breaks down the fats you eat using a proprietary lipase and denylin extract blend. This means you're breaking the fat into usable energy and not storing it. Second, they transport those fatty acids into the muscles and liver, where they increase fat acid oxidation inside the mitochondria. If you take a few capsules of Capex in the morning, it's gonna drastically increase your energy and fat burning for the rest of the day. It feels like a cup of coffee and lasts for 6 to 10 hours with no nervous system stimulation. And again, no matter what diet you're on, Capex enhances fat oxidation and digestion. You can also raise metabolic rate and boost other fat loss hormones. If you want to try Capex, then head over to kenergize.com forward slash seam. You'll automatically get 10% off any package of Capex with a coupon code seam10. That's kenergize.com forward slash seam. Dr. J, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we did like a first podcast uh, maybe a few months ago and uh, we finished off uh, at the topic of DNA testing and and uh, genes but we didn't really go into it much detail so we definitely figured that we should do like a follow-up right oh yeah i think that's valuable and i actually had some of your followers reach out to me and already do a dna consult and and ask a lot of questions about it so it's good timing <laughs> awesome nice that's good yeah so maybe like let's you know take like a overview approach as well of how, what is like the dna testing do and uh, what's what's the main kind of uh, situation with it currently right i think one of the most common questions i get for some reason is does it change over time right like people mm -hmm. say once i do my dna is it going to change 10 years from now or whatever and the answer to that is definitely not your dna doesn't change in the course of your lifetime and like i've done the dna for my kids i've done this analysis that we're about to do for my whole family for a lot of my extended family <clears throat> mm -hmm. and the good thing about looking at your genes is they don't change. So if you've got a dysfunctional gene or if you've got a good gene, you're going to carry that gene for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. um, so usually the limiting factor is whether you can spit in a tube. So what you do to get your DNA analyzed is you spit in this tube, right? Mm -hmm. like, like the company 23andMe, Ancestry, all these DNA sequencing companies, they'll send you a little plastic tube. Mm -hmm. You literally just spit in there. And uh, you just mail it back in their pre-packaged, pre-stamped envelope. And then uh, they sequence your DNA. And 
they don't do the full DNA sequencing. They just look at your, they're just looking at SNPs and your genes, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, that's an important thing to note for people because, you know, in our DNA, we have 4 billion base pairs. So we have loads and loads of DNA data. Every cell in our body has the same two copies of DNA. Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> so you could take out a piece of skin, you could take out a piece of muscle, you could take out, you can do your spit. It's all got the same DNA. So that makes it more convenient for people sequencing the DNA. The problem is our DNA you know, in every cell in our body has 4 billion base pairs. That's just unbelievable amounts of data, right? Um, so they don't look at all of that. They just look at the, the genes. We only have 25,000 genes. Mm-hmm. And, and those are basically the part of the DNA that, make, that codes for a protein. Um, and that's kind of a complicated concept for people. It's almost like saying, like, the DNA is like a blueprint. You know, if you're going to build a house, you need a blueprint. The DNA is the blueprint. It's not, it's not the house. The protein is the house. You know, the DNA codes for the protein. It tells you how to make a protein. It tells your cell how to make a protein. So the reason I do DNA consulting, I did it for myself way back. And I realized how powerful it is. How, how, if you understand problem genes that you have, let's say, for example, your blueprint uh, has a bad bathroom. Well, if you're using that blueprint to build a house, you're always going to make a bad bathroom, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so you have yeah. to figure out how to fix that. Yeah. Um, and that happens all the time. Everybody's got, we all have gene issues, you know, nobody's perfect. And, and so just identifying those gene issues is really valuable because it allows you to help optimize your health rather than just guessing. People spend years and years and years guessing and yeah. lots of money, honestly, like they would save money if they just did their DNA uh, with with AJ Consulting Company, which is you know my company, mm-hmm. and and really understand the problem genes they have and how to fix them. And Twenty Three and Me has a report for this. There's some companies that do this. Ours is far better. There's just no question. Everybody agrees with that once they've done it. You know the Twenty Three and Me reports are really weak. <laughs> you can basically yeah. save the money, not even get those health reports and just send the raw data, which they give you with the ancestry. You can do just the ancestry component of the DNA test, which is another question I get all the time. Um, and that's, they send you the same exact raw data file when you do that. And then you send that to us. And I personally have my own software that I've created uh, to analyze the DNA. So that way I'm not dependent on some company that doesn't do it the way I want it done and things like that. So yeah. it just allows me to, to basically look at all the gene issues that I think are important. Yeah. It's like a very important concept or kind of, um, you know, you can, you can try to follow certain dietary practices or something, other types of health advice online. But if you don't know if it's like compatible with your genes and DNA, then it's not going to work or you may not get like the same results as someone else would, or you may have to, you may have like some, you know, a bad gene that, you know, makes, makes it more important for you to stick to a, like a low carb diet or vice versa. I I have to actually go on like a high carb diet, et cetera. So yeah, so like knowledge is not knowledge is power, especially knowledge about your own, your own body and genes. 
but what about like, like you know the difference between uh, genetics and epigenetics? So you you allude, yep. allude, alluded to it that if you have this information, then you don't have to kind of suffer from these sort of bad genes. You can kind of change your lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting because when I wrote my book that we talked about last time, Estrogeneration, about estrogen and BPA and phthalates and all these plastic chemicals and things like that that are acting like estrogen. <clears throat> I spent a lot of time in the book talking about epigenetics and the importance of epigenetics, which are marks on your DNA. <clears throat> and and um, excuse me. And they're super important. Like the epigenetic marks are incredibly important. You pass those on to the next generation, things like that. Um, but it's not the whole story. And neither, like the DNA, also super important, you know, the blueprint, super important. If you're building a house, you know, you got to have the correct blueprint. Um, and if you got problems in the blueprint, you got to fix them. So neither one, you know, like the problem is now epigenetics is really hot, a hot topic, which is great, you know, because it is super important. But then people say, therefore, DNA isn't important. And that's totally wrong. <clears throat> like epigenetics is super important, but DNA is also super important. And the problem with epigenetics is we don't have a way of sequencing it or quantifying it for the consumer right now. Mm-hmm. Like I looked into having my epigenetics sequenced and it's $20,000 just for me to have it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally do epigenetic sequencing at the Mayo Clinic as part of my research. Um, you know, this is with stem cells and different patients, and it's just purely for research, for publications. It's not for consumer products and consumer, you know, like f- fixing problem areas in your G- DNA and things like that. So that's the state of epigenetics right now. It's not really, uh, it's not at the point where we're able to use it to optimize our health. Whereas the DNA code, you can look at that, find problems with your code, and use that information to optimize your health. So at least, you know, that that part of it, we've got very well, you know, the science and the research and the and the cost is really far along. I mean, it's cheap mm-hmm. okay. for what you're doing. Right? I mean, like the first DNA uh, sequence, when they first did it with Bill Clinton and, uh, uh, you know, Francis Collins... Uh, and there was one other guy that led it. I'm blanking on his name, but um, <clears throat> it cost something like four billion. You know, like mm-hmm. we have four billion DNA, we have four billion base pairs, and it cost four billion dollars to get that first DNA sequence, something like that. Yeah. So we've gone from four billion down to like a hundred bucks. You know, which is a real steal. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 really awesome, and uh, it's definitely going to uh, make people more aware about uh, what kind of lifestyle they should follow and. Uh, so exactly. uh, so uh, I did my own DNA testing like also like a year ago, but I didn't didn't have it like analyzed by a professional. So uh, we yeah. figured that uh, you're gonna go yeah. through some of my genes and uh, yeah, like give you some feedback about like what's what what are some of the things that I need to pay more attention to. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you did it. And you did yours through 23andMe or from Ancestry? Uh, it was. Well, it was like an Estonian company, but I think they used the 23andMe. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah they, a lot of companies do that. A lot of people don't realize um, that's an important side note is, um, you know, there's these ind- quote-unquote independent companies that do your DNA sequencing. Um, but what they do is they just 
so there's a company called Illumina that sells these chips, right? That does the sequencing for you. Mm-hmm. And most of them just use Illumina sequencing and they do 900,000 SNPs. And um, so there's a lot of third-party companies popping up right now, but they're all doing the same thing. They're all just sending your DNA to the same company, Illumina. Illumina is doing the sequencing. They're sending it back. So they're just acting as a third party. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it's fine. It works, right? I mean, you've got yours here. It works. It, you know, my software runs that most of the time. Every once in a while, somebody comes up with a different, they change the code a little bit and then it throws my software for a loop. <laughs> but so I generally prefer 23andMe or Ancestry.com or something that's real conventional. A lot of people use, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, it's um, at the end of the day, it's, it's almost all the same. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, and then, and then what I do when I, when I do the analysis is I categorize it into five categories, as you saw. So I sent you an email mm-hmm. with the DNA report, uh, the exact same report that I would send to my clients when we do DNA consulting through AJ Consulting Company. And it, it's got five categories. It's got brain, uh, brain optimization. Uh, the second category is diet. Uh, third category is kind of related to that. It's, it's vitamins, hormones, and detox how your body breaks things down basically so a little bit related to diet but mm-hmm. also very different uh the fourth category is gym like exercising your gym genes your exercise your training genes uh there's a, there are a lot of things related to joints a lot of things related to blood pressure things related to uh you know pain tolerance muscle fiber type all of those things mm-hmm. and then finally sleep like sleep is the last category the sleep category you know is probably the least studied by scientists so now scientists now are finally looking into some of these gene gene issues and how they relate to sleep and how they affect sleep but it's such a young area of research um unfortunately i mean it it should be massive right but people have kind of ignored it for a long time Mm -hmm. and what's really uh what's really helped the field of sleep research is the aura ring yeah and that's spelled O-U-R-A. And I, I know you know that, Seam, but some of your listeners may have never heard of this ring you wear on your finger that tracks your sleep. And it's phenomenal. It tests, it, yeah. it measures your deep sleep. It measures your REM sleep. I've given a talk for the special forces for the military, and they showed me some research um, that where they compared a bunch of different uh, sleep tracking devices like the Aura Ring, the Apple Watch, the Vivo Smart, the the you know, the, or the Garmin ViewSmart, the Jawbone, all these, whatever these different sleep tracking devices are. And the Aura Ring was by far the best. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty popular. Yeah. yeah. And so that opens up a whole new area of biohacking and self quantification in terms of sleep, you know, and, and improving your sleep. So mm-hmm. that's going to really help this, this area. But, but there's still information in your genetics for sure that can help people sleep better for sure. Uh, so let's look into my data. Then, um, uh, the first category is about brain optimization genes. Yep. So did you find anything, uh, specifically <laughs> worrisome? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you've got really good, uh, genetics in terms of your brain. I mean, I, I would, if I have to guess, I would say Alzheimer's probably doesn't run in your family. Is that correct? Yeah, that we, we, I don't recall anyone getting it. Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, you have some risk genes for Alzheimer's, but they're real low risk. They're really minor. I mean, basically, 
as you can see in that category, as long as you keep your triglycerides in the optimal range, that that basically eliminates that risk. You know, so there mm -hmm. there's a gene that you have, um, and that a lot of people have actually. So that if their triglycerides are high over the course of their lifetime, just constantly high, then it, it is an Alzheimer's risk. It's a legitimate risk, but as long as you keep those low. And so that, that's a good priority for you just in terms mm -hmm. of future blood tests. Make sure you mm -hmm. check your triglycerides. Keep checking those. And in Europe, sometimes the units are different. Um, and so I don't, you know, you have to double check. You might have to look at the units there. There's free online conversions. So you can just type yeah. in triglyceride conversion units yeah, or something. Usually my triglycerides are like very low, like 30. Super low, exactly. 30, 30 milligrams or something. Exactly. Most what's, what's the, what, what, what will be some of the upper limits for... You know, oh, I've seen people, I've literally seen people at 500. My <laughs> oh, wow. 500 milligrams per deciliter. Um, most people, most of my clients that I talk to are like 80 or 60 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, because one of the main, honestly, probably the best way to lower your triglycerides is just movement. You know, mm -hmm. if you're literally sedentary all day long, you're sitting at work all day and then you go home and you sit down on your couch and watch TV. You're just not moving your body. Your triglycerides will just keep creeping up, up and up and up. And mm -hmm. it's because you're not, you're not flushing your blood through your liver. Yeah. You know, you're just, your blood's just stagnating. So basically um, you're clearly moving, right? Yeah. A cardio is the ultimate if you want to do some, if you, if your triglycerides are high and then so, there's supplements too. Right? So you basically have to like burn fat in a way uh, because the triglycerides are a marker of lipids in the blood exactly. that aren't being burned off. Exactly. And that's an important point actually is that a lot of doctors and, and, um, and a lot of people, they're real obsessed with LDL, cholesterol, and they want you to lower your cholesterol all the time. The problem with that is it's not optimal for your brain, you know, and there's risks associated with that if, if it gets too low. And so that's a totally different separate category from triglycerides. So in your case, I'm not worried about the LDL. I am worried about the triglycerides if they get high. Right. They're clearly not even close to high, right? <laughs> and I... I think the optimal, like, I think people should make sure their triglycerides are below 125 when you have these risks just to really optimize. And it sounds like yours are. So that's pretty easy, right? Yeah. So LDL is also like a problem if it's in the context. Super high. If it's context, well, if, context of high triglycerides as well. Yeah. The triglycerides are more of the real problem usually. Okay. Yep. Right. Um, LDL, almost never a problem unless it's legitimately super high. Um, and the reason for that is then the LDL itself becomes oxidized, reacts with oxygen. And then that LDL actually is inflammatory. So you're, you end up causing plaques in your arteries because the LDL is, is causing inflammation. Mm -hmm. um, so again, totally different. And we do look at, I, I definitely look at cholesterol related genes in the diet section. Um, uh, in so, the, in the brain section, uh, the, how does the APOE gene relate to this, the Alzheimer's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, you don't have that one. You don't have the bad version of that one. And and in just in terms of backdrop here, I'm only looking at your bad gene. So when I give people these DNA reports, um, it only flags the bad genes, right? right? I'm only looking at problem genes. I'm not interested in your good genes because everybody has thousands of good genes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could spend all day talking about your good genes, but... 
I just want to find the bad ones and then figure out ways to fix them. And thankfully you don't have the APOE gene. And there's a lot of other genes that are real nasty that you could have that you don't. And there's ways to fix those genes. But, you know, it's in general, if you don't have it, don't worry about it. Yeah. So, so if someone were to have like a bad APOE gene, then they, they should avoid like saturated fats as I've heard. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of speculation on it. I think the most important thing is to take DHA, mm-hmm. probably the triglyceride form or the phospholipid form. I mean, not probably. They definitely should take good quality DHA and they should take a lot of it. I know guys in the special forces that take seven grams per day, you know, mm. wow. um, <laughs> which is super high, right? And that's super expensive too. So you don't want to be spending that kind of money if you don't have that gene risk. But if you do, I think it's worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's other things too. I mean, there's literally a website that's dedicated to people that have the APOE gene and all the research that's coming out on that. It's pro- it's probably the most studied gene out there, certainly in the brain section. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a long topic. It's a big topic, but there's a book. What I usually recommend when people have that APOE4 gene, I recommend they just get Neil Bredesen's book, The End of Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and and really follow along like follow his guidance and his his strategies and again that's pretty extreme and he doesn't even do the genetic component i mean obviously he's looking at some genes because he's looking at apoe but he, he kind of ignores all the other genes that may be playing a role and he just he he just wants you to assume that you've got all the bad genes and optimize for that right <laughs> which is pretty extreme i mean that's a little bit that's carrying it a little bit too far it's just pretty inconvenient to do that way but um but it's still a great book and it's really useful i love it okay that's good um next up we have the melancholy <laughs> predisposition as i see right <laughs> right exactly and i mean you have a couple of serotonin gene issues that are pretty common they're not rare so that's not it's not as uh, like, for example, you have a gene called TPH2 um, that increases anxiety, but 50% of people have that. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not like you're in your own little Island of anxiety here. It's, it's really common. (laughs) Our modern society in particular triggers that anxiety gene. So you're more at risk for some of these anxiety and melancholy slash depression type symptoms. But again, they're not, they're not really rare Mm -hmm. so oftentimes people have these genes and they're not a problem Um, and they're both related to serotonin and that's why i put them next to each other here because one of them is a serotonin receptor that's htr2a so that means your receptor doesn't bind serotonin as well as it should Mm -hmm. Um, the other one is related to tph2 is related to serotonin uptake in your brain so serotonin doesn't even go up into your brain as well as it should does that make sense yeah so if you have low serotonin, then it's a real problem. The most most people that have the real problems with that, the the genes here with these particular serotonin genes are the ones that have bad gut, hmm. right? Because you, most of your serotonin, I would say eighty percent, um, might even be ninety percent. I can't remember the research for sure, but it's a lot. Most of your serotonin is made in your gut, hmm. and then it's transported up into your brain, and so if you have if you've got less transport in your brain which you do right and then you've got even less binding once it gets into your brain it doesn't even bind as tight then you're so you're 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 at a risk right and so there's ways to increase serotonin naturally there's a lot of ways 
mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's so many ways, in fact, that I linked this whole website there. Yeah. A self self decode website, self hacked, <clears throat> because I'm a scientific advisor for that company. Mm-hmm. And so they have a lot of good suggestions there if you really wanted to dive into it. Again, if you don't have issues, you don't need to. Right. Yeah, I uh, let's say I do notice that I have like more melancholy, and uh, part of it I oh, think yeah. part of it I think it has to do also with like heritage. The Estonian people they aren't you know these super extrovert <laughs> happy people. They are tend to be more melancholy oh, interesting. and uh, interesting. And, yeah, you know part of the you know heritage and maybe like the climate as well. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and and sometimes sleep, sometimes it's diet, and there's other genes that might come up in that really in relation to all of this. And then sometimes it's direct, right? Like this one is pretty direct or directly related to serotonin. Mm-hmm. And there's some, I mean like five HTP increases serotonin. I always tell people to take L tryptophan and you can see that on your paragraph, you know, you have all this. Mm-hmm. Um, it says you might try five HTP and L tryptophan before bedtime. Tryptophan is a building block for serotonin. So, that's yeah. the one that people say makes you tired, you know, if you eat a bunch yeah. of turkey or something on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, you have to take a lot of tryptophan to get really tired, but people yeah. still talk about it. But the, the the better way to do it, I think, is take 5-HTP, which tells your body to make serotonin and give it the building block, which is tryptophan, and then your body builds more serotonin and it helps you sleep. Mm-hmm. So that oftentimes helps, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, different people respond differently to that one. And so, so I recommend St. John's wort or a bunch of these other ones linked there. Right. Yeah, fortunately, I don't have like, I, I, I haven't noticed like any, let's say, anxiety problems or something like that. Good. Uh, Good. Just, because, just, just because of the kind of optimization of the diet and uh, right. sleeping yep. well and exercising. And that's, huge. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And do you, do you drink coffee? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, because that would be the bigger risk in your case, probably, because mm-hmm. you do have some anxiety genes for caffeine, um, which is on the next page. And so, if you have anxiety, I would say pull the plug on caffeine. And and you're young, right? I mean, yeah. maybe, you know, a lot of my clients—they're 50 years old, they're 60 years old. That's when you know your body doesn't detox as well as you age, <clears throat> and so some of these gene issues, you don't notice them when you're younger. And then as you age, they get more and more apparent. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can't get away with as much, th- you know, yeah. as much as you could when you're younger. So it's worth keeping an eye. Like I say, I think caffeine would be an even bigger target if you get anxiety. Now I right. get anxiety. I have this, I have some of these anxiety genes from caffeine and I still drink coffee, but I just recognize it and I try and channel it, you know? Yeah. So like, I drink coffee and then I get things done that I don't like to do like paperwork or whatever taxes <laughs> uh, because I get a little bit of anxiety from it. I recognize it and I channel it. Right. So that works too. Yeah. I, I may, I may get some, uh, some of that if I overdo the caffeine for some, yeah, some reason, right. or if I like combine it with a lot of sleep depression, but uh, generally I don't, uh, I don't uh, overconsume caffeine anyway. So Com- combine I'll, it with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Combine it with a lot of what? I don't overconsume it, so to say. So I'll never reach the threshold where I get things. Right, right. Well, you've got, I mean, and you'll see on the next, you see caffeine metabolism, that's mm-hmm. category on your report. You yeah. you burn caffeine really quickly. Your liver breaks it down really fast. Um, so the people that really struggle with the caffeine-related anxiety are the ones that have the bad genes for anxiety from caffeine. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that 
don't break it down in their body very fast. Right. So it stays in their body. And that's more my, that's more my phenotype. Okay. <laughs> um, and then obviously you see the category that says lifespan right under that. Right. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that's entirely blank and mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's what you want to see there. <laughs> right. Um, because this is where you find like the sirtuin genes and things like that. A lot of these lifespan related genes that are directly linked to shortened lifespan or increased lifespan. Some of the telomere related genes. Mm. Um, so no, no and, mutations or no deficiencies there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's good. And for people that have those issues, there's specific ways to fix them. I mean, there's absolutely ways to increase your telomeres. In fact, one of the genes, um, for telomere shortening so telomeres by the way are of course uh the end caps on your dna so as we age our dna physically gets shorter Mm -hmm. right and some people it gets shorter than others so it causes them to it's associated with decreased lifespan shorter lifespan so you want to increase the length of your dna for longer lifespan and there's a peptide called epithalon you can actually inject this peptide for people that really want to get extreme on their lifespan extension if they have this bad gene. And again, you don't. So I'm just using this mm-hmm. as an example, but I've seen people just absolutely reverse. So you, you can test your telomere length, right? And it'll tell you mm-hmm. your biological age versus your actual age. And it'll, you know, people that have this gene, usually that they, if they're like 50 years old, it'll tell them they're 70, right? Or they're 60 or something like that. Mm-hmm like the age of their cells is a lot older, but then they start injecting this peptide and it'll shoot down to 40, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it works again. Usually it works exceptionally. If you've got that gene issue, if you don't have that gene issue, it's not worth injecting and spending all the money and all that. And it might not be worth it anyways. It depends on your goals and, Mm -hmm. and all that. But but sirtuin is another big one because of the resveratrol. Right. Oh, sorry. And if, like, for example, someone has these bad genes, then they can also do more, like, fasting and uh, those sort of things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's always ways to fix these things, right? That's the thing that a lot of people get, quote-unquote, scared or worried about. You know, like, I don't want to do my DNA because I'm, <laughs> I'm too scared to know what the problems are. But what's ironic is there's ways to fix, you know, all of these issues. And so you know, it's a lot better to figure yeah. them out. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you can actually make decisions on how extreme you want to go to fixing them. You know, it's like ignorance, a lot is, of options. Ignorance yeah. is bliss. So <laughs> I would much rather right. not. Right. And, and the problem with the ignorance is it costs you a lot more money in the long term. In the short term, it's cheaper, right? Because you don't right. have to pay for DNA analysis or get your 23andMe done or whatever. But man, it costs a lot in medical bills and lifespan <laughs> and health span. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so next up, next section is uh, diet optimization. Right. Um, yeah. Which so obviously there's sections on dairy, diabetes, uh, obesity, heart heart disease, leaky gut. I mean, so there's a lot going on here. Thankfully, you've got pretty good genes in most of these categories. You certainly have some diabetes risk, but it's not more than most people. It's it's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty normal for people to have risks for diabetes Mm -hmm. and that's just an indicator that humans shouldn't eat a high carb diet all the time (laughs) almost (laughs) almost nobody can do well on that now there are people that can but it's almost nobody you know right and what's ironic is usually the people that have just amazing genes for dealing with carbs 
they're the ones that think everybody should be able to just count <laughs> calories and eat as many eat as many carbs as they want and, and yeah. be fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but for the rest of us, um, yeah, you've got a couple of genes there. I think an interesting one is that SLC30A8. Mm-hmm. That's actually a zinc transporter. And and just by the way, I mean, uh, when I say plus plus on this report, that means you got two bad copies of a gene. Okay. Right? So in every cell in our body, we actually have two copies of DNA. Um, the only cells that don't have two copies are the egg and sperm cells. Egg and sperm cells only have one copy. So when they fuse together, when egg and sperm cells fuse together, that's where you get the copy of DNA from your mother and the copy of DNA from your father. Mm-hmm. So a plus plus means you got a bad version from both parents. You got a bad version from your mother and a bad version of that gene from your father. Whereas a plus minus means you got a bad version from one parent, but then a good version from the other parent. Mm-hmm. So the plus minuses aren't as problematic and oftentimes they don't even come up on my screen because they're not even substantial enough of a risk. Whereas a plus plus, that would be the worst case, right? Like that would be the the bad copy from both parents. Mm -hmm. So when you have the plus plus on this SLC 38, that means your, your body really needs zinc. You have the zinc transporter issue, uh, clearing sugar so it it actually helps you to take more zinc to clear your blood sugar help your Mm. body lower sugar okay and so i give you the numbers there for red meat red meat 100 grams of red meat contains about 50 percent of your daily value zinc so a lot of people they eat enough red meat it's not an issue but some people don't and then in that case i say you really should take zinc as a supplement for example Mm. right uh, I, I I do consume like uh, meat on a regular basis, so I probably yeah, don't. you should be good, right? And, and that's the way I like it. I'd rather that people got their their vitamins from the actual food, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's not always possible. Like resveratrol, for example, if you have that sirtuin gene issue we we're just mentioning before, in the lifespan section, you're not gonna you're not gonna drink a hundred glasses of red wine to get that <laughs> amount of sirtuin every day, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> So there's cases where you you're, you physically can't optimize just by food, you know, mm-hmm. if you're really looking to push your lifespan, yeah, things like that. Yeah. What about the uh, intermittent fasting uh, section? Yeah, right. You've got a, couple, a bunch of genes. Intermittent fasting is really valuable for you. I mean, that's a pretty common, uh, you know, there's a lot of genes here and that's very common to see. Like one example is that ADIPOQ gene on the next, like the top of the next page, adiponectin. Mm-hmm. And it basically means your body makes less adiponectin, for example. Again, this is, we're, we're kind of skipping just for the listeners. We're kind of skipping because there's a lot of info here and it would take us like three hours to yeah. <laughs> go through all the information. Not that it normally takes that long, but, you know, because... Yeah because I'm using more examples than normal and I'm simplifying it more than normal and whatever for, for the audience, for the general audience. Um, mm-hmm. it, we're skipping around a bit, but, but you make less adiponectin and adiponectin is a hormone. It's a hormone that helps you burn sugar and fat. So you, you don't want to make less of it. Right. Right. Um, and so the best way, there's a lot of ways to increase adiponectin to make more of that hormone. But the best way I know of is intermittent fasting. There's no question. Mm-hmm intermittent fasting is beneficial for that. So yeah. usually just skipping breakfast, that's the easiest way to do it or the, 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 for the sustainability, you know, to do it over mm-hmm. the long term. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I do I mean, it basically. I do it basically every day. <laughs> yeah, same. I do this exact same, and I think that's you know your genes reflect that. So I'm glad you do it. Um, uh, did iron. you? Did, oh, iron. Yeah, keep going down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to mention the metformin gene as well, um, because a lot of people now they take metformin right as a lifespan right. extension. Mm-hmm. And some people, like you actually have a plus minus gene that gives you better likelihood of success uh, mm-hmm. with metformin. Where some people are really poor responders to metformin and some people's are even higher responders. So you're, you're, not a, you're not a terrible, you're a pretty high responder, but you're not at the highest range, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason that's valuable to know is because metformin in virtually all the animal studies, it increases lifespan. So like in rats and rabbits and monkeys, whatever, of course, with humans, they've never done that study because humans live too long to study, you know, a hundred year study, but it's, you know, almost certainly going to increase lifespan. um, If you're a high responder to it and, and the other way to do it, it lowers your blood sugar. So that's one thing and it improves your metabolism. So that's another thing. Um, and you can certainly lower your blood sugar and improve your metabolism with your diet and with your exercise without metformin. So you can increase your lifespan without metformin, but it's also, it's usually kind of an easy way <laughs> to <Right>. increase lifespan. <laughs> so it's so like a, it mimics like fasting and calorie restriction. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's an option for you. I wouldn't it's, it's take more, it off it's, the table. It's, it's more effective for people who don't have their diet like fully dialed in and they want to eat, eat some cake. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it's tough. I mean, it's, it's hard to go like low carb for a long, long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or so, like, or and, a, 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 another alternative also like uh, berberine, uh, which is like a natural. Exactly. Natural yep, yep. Sugar and that one hasn't been studied as much. So I don't know if there's any genes or gene variants that are make people a higher responder or low responder to berberine. I do know that one of my suggestions for berberine is if you've got issues clearing heavy metals from your brain, which you don't, by the way, mm-hmm. but some people have a high Alzheimer's risk because their brain, they don't clear heavy metals well from their brains. Berberine is really useful for that. It actually helps clear. They've done studies directly with brain clearance of heavy mm-hmm. metals, um, nice. which is kind of a, secondary benefit so people take it for blood sugar and then they accidentally end up clearing heavy metals from their brain which is awesome yeah it, um, it, it, it pro- also promotes uh, autophagy so uh, that's, that's right right it does a lot yeah yeah it's it increases bdnf yeah it does a lot so that's a good supplement um, but even there some people don't respond well like some i think one of the best ways to measure is just to take your blood sugar you know just yeah. prick your finger in the morning when you first wake up before you eat anything check your blood sugar do that for a couple of days and then take berberine and see how it changes if it's not changing at all you're probably a poor responder to it right <clears throat> or you need to get a different brand because it's notorious for having kind of a low quality yeah <laughs> <laughs> got to find a good brand um but yeah, we're, you were mentioning heart disease related to iron, right? That's a big one. And so the next, just for the listeners, the next kind of big category in, on this report is heart disease risk. And, you know, like a lot of, you know, like people say, oh, heart disease runs in my family, mm-hmm. right? Just like Alzheimer's runs in my family. But it's, heart disease is complicated because 
you can have heart disease risk from iron. You can have heart disease risk related to your immune system and inflammation. You can have heart disease from cholesterol, like really high cholesterol. You can have heart disease risk from homocysteine, lectins. Mm -hmm. You know, there's even genes that are related to lectin uh, response, tr tr like lectin triggering your immune system. There's all kinds, and I'm just barely scratching the surface. There's even other categories. So there's a lot of potential variants between people. So like you're, you know, one person might have a high heart disease risk in their family, and then another person might have a high heart disease risk in their family. And those disease risks are totally, they're different, yeah. you know, just completely the opposite. So in your case, you actually have really good genes, except this one gene that gives you a high risk of heart disease if your blood iron is high. Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, it's a tenfold higher risk of heart disease if you're wow. above the normal range of iron. So it's not trivial because like literally in America, a third of people are getting heart attacks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so if you give yourself a tenfold higher risk on that, it's super high. Yeah, it's... it's um, from a last test, it wasn't high, so it was like, good. Good, yeah, yeah. And I'd keep so that's another priority with your triglycerides. Keep checking your iron on your blood tests in the future, because obviously it's a big one to keep. Make sure you're good. And if it is high, you, donating, you know, just straight up donate blood. It's right. by far it'll it'll drop it right away. Usually, like once every six months, you know, is perfectly sufficient. Mm -hmm. And if you don't need to, don't worry about it. But if it if it is high. Pay attention for sure and i give you the that website link there just to tell you what the optimal ranges are because you know off the top of my head i don't usually remember all the optimal ranges for everything right no and, and you know there is a difference most of these blood tests there's a difference between optimal and normal you know like just being normal is okay <laughs> it's not always optimal yeah um and that reminded me there's a question a lot of people ask me um Oh, I forget that, you know, like, well, I forgot the question. I was like triggered. I just lost my train of thought, but there's a question I get commonly and I'm literally blanking on it. I'll probably come back to it in a minute because I'll remember it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, I, I know. I know. Um, a lot of people ask me, do I need to get my blood work before I do my DNA consult? Right. Mm -hmm. I get asked that all the time. The answer is no. Like, it's it's almost better to do your DNA first, as you can see here, and then you know which blood markers you really should make sure to get, because there's a million blood work. You know, there's there's so many different ways to get your blood tested. There's so many different metrics you can use. Mm -hmm. um, that it's almost overwhelming. It's better to get your DNA done, and then you know that one the, the blood mark markers that are absolute priorities. Right. Just again, a frequently asked question. I didn't want to. No, it's good. It's a, it's a great, it's course, a great question. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll probably still get that question, but at least <laughs> maybe, maybe not quite so much. And and the only leaky gut gene, so the next category too is leaky gut, which kind of relates to heart disease risk as well, because if your gut is really leaky, you've got a lot of inflammation, then uh, that increases your risk of pretty much everything, right? Mm -hmm. Because chronic inflammation is linked to pretty much every chronic disease. And leaky gut is a great source of inflammation. Um, and the only gene you have in that category is CNR1, which is actually your cannabinoid receptor. Okay. So that's the one that binds CBD, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you do have gut issues, and again, it sounds like you don't, you've got a good diet, you're exercising, things like that. 
um, if you do, you can utilize CBD. You know, again, I wouldn't take it every day. It's unnecessary. It would just cost you a lot of extra money in your case. But if you do get the, right. you know, the leaking gut issues, bloating, that kind of stuff, take CBD, get a good quality one. It should work. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I don't really take it that often, but uh, yeah, I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and most people, that category has a lot of, you could have like 20 or 30 gene issues in that category. Um, and a lot of people have five or six gene issues in that category. I mean, it's, it's a pretty large category and it's very diverse. Some people have leaky gut related to, you know, one thing and other people have leaky gut related to something totally different. And so the DNA is really helpful in assessing that and figuring out, you know, more precise ways to attack it, approach it. Mm -hmm. And the skin is similar. Like you don't have anything in the skin category, which is also good. So overall, you know, you've got some great genes here. (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear that. (laughs) Uh, so next, next up, uh, yeah. we have vitamins, hormones, and uh, detox genes. Exactly. And it starts off with iron and sulf- like sulfate, sulfites, that sort of thing is good. Iron is good, which is huge, right? Because the worst case scenario is when you've got that gene we talked about before with high iron linked to high heart disease risk. Mm-hmm. And then if you have g- issues with iron detox, right? Like your blood levels, you don't clear iron. That's the worst case scenario, but thankfully you've got that, right? You've got good genes in this category. So you detox iron pretty well, which, you know, it's pretty common for people to have issues there. Mm -hmm. And then vitamin D is the next category. So vitamin D, this is a perfect example of optimal versus normal, right? And you wouldn't believe the debates people have about this. (laughs) Like you probably have taken part in some of them and you've probably had guests on your podcast and your show, but you know, there's so much, controversy on what's the optimal range for vitamin d mm-hmm. and because of that i've looked into it really carefully and i've looked at the, the studies with hunter gathering tribes and what their blood levels are because they don't supplement anything they just live healthy you know yeah. i mean they die of parasites at age 30 <laughs> but <laughs> healthy you know if they survive to age 50 or 60 or whatever and 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 uh and the average American, obviously terrible, you know, like in terms of their health, but most of the studies are based on average Americans where they get these reference ranges. So the average American for vitamin D is 30. Hmm. And again, these are American units, right? Mm-hmm. So people will have to translate the units if they're over in Europe, but 30 is 30 nanograms per mil, average American. The hunter gathering tribes, everybody in those tribes is between 70 and 100. Wow. So like who's healthier in terms of vitamin D, right? Mm. But what's crazy is like if you go in and you get a 30 on your blood test, they'll tell you you're fine. They'll be like, yeah, you're normal, you're good. <laughs> you know, no flags, no issues. Now, of course, some doctors won't. Some doctors will flag it. They're, you know, the good doctors will pay attention and they'll, they, they want to get you up a little higher. But And my, my goal is to at least get everybody above 50. You know, because as soon as you get below 50, that's where you start seeing associations with all kinds of different health issues. And you could say, yeah, they're just associations, but still. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just based on the hunter gathering tribes and the associations, just make sure you're above 50. And for you, it might be a little bit harder. You might have to basically take, you know, you probably have to supplement vitamin D and you probably do. Right. Uh, yeah, I do uh, quite, quite uh, regularly. 
but uh, yeah, yeah, like I don't, I may not take it on days that, uh, or like for instance, during the summer, I definitely yeah, like cut it down. in the summer. Yeah, but in the yeah, winter, if you're out in the sun, yep, yep. No, I think that's a good strategy, um, especially if you're checking it on your blood test, which I recommend that you do just to get a sense. I even like, I think checking it in the winter is even more important because let's say you're taking 2000 IUs every day and then you check it and you're coming in at 40. Mm-hmm. Well then double that jump up to 4,000 IUs a day, you know, for a yeah. month and then check it again. Because in the summer, the problem with the summer is if you're taking 2000 IUs every day, but then you're hitting the sun all the time, then your levels are jump up and down. So you don't right. know what they actually should be like, what the dose should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's harder. To, it's harder to figure out the dose in the summer because of the sunshine that's which right. is awesome i think it's great but it's more confusing to figure out so anyways that's that's my thing about vitamin d <laughs> and take it with k2 right like as i mentioned in that paragraph that you're looking at mm-hmm. um, just to prevent calcium buildup in your arteries a lot of people don't have enough k2 particularly vegans because they don't eat butter and things like that they don't eat animal <laughs> fats that have k2 right <clears throat> um, so yeah, that's you know, that's a good gene to note. Um, any other ones on this page? I mean, obviously there's a lot here. So if you want to just skip around, feel free. But um, maybe you... maybe touch a bit on the testosterone and estrogen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you, overall, your testosterone genes are pretty good, but you have that one gene that gives you lower testosterone. Now, the unfortunate thing about that gene, FAM9B, is nothing is known about the gene. Um, the name of the gene, it's it's abbreviated FAM9B. And it's called Family with Sequence Similarity 9 Member B. <laughs> Which basically means we don't even have a name for it because nobody studies it. <laughs> so unfortunately, nothing is known about the gene and how it lowers testosterone, but it, it is associated with lower testosterone. Um, so just keep an eye on it. it. You know, at a younger age, you don't see it that often. And in, in women, it's not even an issue, but in men, it does oftentimes, uh, like I say, it's associated with lower T. And that can be tricky because we, since we don't know anything about the gene, it's hard to say, well, here's what you should do to fix it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm not opposed to testosterone replacement therapy if it's low. You know, I like to see people above 500. And again, those are American units. So if you're in Europe, translate that. And if I forget to say that, just assume that's true for the rest of the time we're talking. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a tricky gene. Just keep an eye on your testosterone. With your estrogen, I mean, you have a couple of genes that lead to a little bit higher estrogen, but it's not as bad as it looks. I mean, you have three genes in that category, but some people have 10, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential genes you can have in that category. Um. I mean, the take-home message for you is you bind estrogen a little bit more tightly to the receptor. So even if you have the exact same estrogen levels as somebody else, you're going to have more estrogen symptoms. And one of the best ways to decrease that is to eat brassicas, like broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and that sort of thing, because that helps clear estrogen. Mm -hmm. And also use the sauna. Sauna is my favorite Mm -hmm. because the sauna... They've done like BPA studies and phthalate studies and things like that with these xenoestrogens, artificial estrogens. And they show that you actually uh, sweat out more of those estrogens than you pee out. Sometimes you don't pee any estrogens out, but you sweat a ton of them out. Hmm. 
and they measure your sweat with a skin patch. So the sauna is a great way to help clear some of that estrogen. Nice. Yeah, I do take the sauna <laughs> quite often. Good. Yeah. Uh, what about the empty HFR gene? Does it like a really common? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that one's coming up. It's, it's your your MTHFR status is pretty good. Um, do you want to jump way ahead to that? Uh, or do well, you want to just wait? If you, if you have anything, yeah, like we can we can go head over that. Like I, I didn't see anything else. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump down. Yeah, let's jump down to MTHFR. Um, it's right under the methionine and then B6 and then B9, which is, of course, folic acid is B9, methylfolate. Um, yeah, good call. Sorry. Uh, I mean, you have the A1298C plus minus. So that's, you know, there's a couple different spots on the MTHFR gene you can have issues with. And you've got a few. You've got some spots. You've got MTHFR, MTHFD1, and then you got that MTHFR A1298C, A1298C, which again is plus minus. So you have a good copy of the gene. Mm -hmm. The worst one, it's called C677T. You know, like if you had a plus plus on that, I would get really, um, you know, more dramatic about it, more emphatic about taking methylfolate, avoiding folic acid. Uh, because that's the one you see like women with miscarriages and things like that and men with like real issues it's mm -hmm. particularly sleep and depression and testosterone heavy metal clearance a lot of stuff really i mean this gene is huge um but yours isn't too bad you know i mean i would avoid folic acid if i was you just because you do have some issues here mm -hmm. and and the reason i say avoid folic acid is folic acid is fake you know it's not found right. in nature yeah. it's it's it used to be patented um most people don't realize that they think they're taking a vitamin folic yeah. acid but in reality like what is found in nature is methylfolate you know if you eat spinach you get this thing called methylfolate and that's what your body uses to make new dna so if you're pregnant of course you can see why that's super important because fetus needs loads of new dna and you need right. so in other words you need lots of that building block to make it methylfolate and similar when you sleep, like even for men, if you're sleeping, your body's regenerating. You need lots of new DNA. You know, you need methylfolate. But if you're taking folic acid, this fake one, and you're not converting it to methylfolate, then you're just plugging up your system. Right. You know, so all the receptors are all plugged up with folic acid. So even if you're getting your leafy greens and you're getting your methylfolate, if your system is all plugged up with this fake stuff, this folic acid, which people take in like these prenatal vitamins and multivitamins and all this, well then, then it actually causes more problems than it solves. So yeah. it is worth avoiding folic acid and, and either eating leafy greens or taking methylfolate for you, but it's not a major priority. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't take it. So, so <laughs> I haven't. Uh, you eat leafy greens? You eat leafy greens though? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, pretty much right. uh, every day, like cabbage exactly. and broccoli Perfect. and those things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Even every other day is fine. Mm -hmm. Your body builds it up in your liver, you know? Um, right. Or just eating liver <laughs> yeah <that's nice. laughs> but but yeah I, I think that's perfect what about the, the vitamin e that was like pretty interesting that i shouldn't supplement the vitamin e yeah it's 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 perfect timing right i'm glad i'm glad that you didn't have any gene issues between here and there and then we can talk about that one directly because it's almost the same thing it's like vitamin they have this fake version of vitamin e called tocopherol like alpha tocopherol and things you'll see it in your 
multivitamins if you you know if you have multivitamins um, and that actually causes inflammation in your body because of this gene um, it increases something called interleukin-6 il-6 mm-hmm. um, and so you definitely don't want to take that fake vitamin e if you personally you want to avoid that one just like you want to avoid the folic acid you you want it if you're going to supplement vitamin e take tocotrienols mm-hmm. um, but you know you don't have to do that you will get those from your diet. I'm I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about just avoiding the fake stuff, the fake vitamin E, the, yeah. the coffrol in your case. Again, that's a plus plus. So you definitely want to do that. You yeah. probably do, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't like take specifically vitamin E. And you, it's pretty hard to become deficient of vitamin E as well. Like it's pretty common. Yeah. I mean, a lot, you'd be surprised how many people take it. And the biggest source is just the multis. Most people are getting it from the multis. And this is one of the reasons along with the folic acid, which is also fake, these are some of the reasons why they do these multivitamin studies. And then they, then they conclude that multivitamins are useless. They don't help people because there's a lot of these fake vitamins in there. And so, so for a certain subset of people, that causes more problems. So some people, multivitamins are actually helping them and some people, they're actually harming them. And then if you average it out, you find there's no difference. So then they say, yeah, they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you can actually look at people's DNA, you can figure out whether multis are a, a nice, easy way to just get all your vitamins or whether it's actually harming you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, moving on with the next section, we have <laughs> yeah the gym, the, gym. Gym, the exercise. Right on. Yeah, and, and you're kind of a fast twitch. You're more of like a, a fast twitch guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So like heavy lifting is better for you, I think. Um, and that's more common, right? Like right. I would say 80% of people are more fast twitch. That ACVR1B gene is a higher muscle strength per volume of muscle. So, so in other words, if somebody, if you have the exact same muscle size as somebody else or the same size muscle, you'll actually be stronger than they are with this mutation. Okay. Um, and overall, your genes are really good. So you're kind of flexible. You can you know, you can do pretty much anything in the workout realm and you're not pigeonholed into anything. What I, what I see is that uh, I have more joint problems. Exactly. Like joint exactly. <laughs> exactly. A lot of stuff in the joint category. So that's, that, that's why like a heavy resistance training would be better in a way because it's going to promote bone density and joint strength. Right. Yeah. A lot of people get that wrong. They think that to preserve their bones, they want to stay off of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, no, you got to talk to some astronauts, you know, they basically, their bones, they basically turn into water balloons, you know, if they're not pounding on their bones and their joints and things, but you got to do it with good form and all that, you know, otherwise it does break stuff down. Um, But yeah, probably one of the, I mean, there's a couple that really jump out at me here in this joint section. And one of them is that DIO2 gene. It's, it's a, it's a risk for osteoarthritis, which is different than rheumatoid, right? Mm-hmm. Rheumatoid is when your immune system attacks your joints and basically chews them up. And then osteo is actually, osteoarthritis is when your soft tissue just kind of degrades and then you get bone rubbing on bone. Right. You know, it just wears out. And you're more at risk for that from this gene, but this gene is related to your, your thyroid. So like if your thyroid is off, like if your thyroid hormones, then you're you're more at risk for that. If your thyroids are good, if your thyroid hormones are good, excuse me, <clears throat> then I'm not worried about this gene. Mm-hmm. 
So make sure to keep tabs on your thyroid hormones, particularly TSH and T3. Mm. So I should also um, take like maybe collagen or something like that. Yeah, or I, I think iodine is even more important okay. because iodine is a building block for your thyroid hormones. If you don't have enough iodine, then you're definitely not going to have enough thyroid hormones. They're not going to be optimized. Mm-hmm. Um, collagen's good too. I, I mean, especially with your all the other ones, cum, you know, and your cumulative risk and your low back risk. You know, you see in the in the section that says back discs. Mm-hmm. I specifically say to take collagen or bone broth because. I mean, you have a higher risk of low back issues. Um, so, you know, I'd factor that in. But what's funny, you know, on some of these joint genes, another big one is that HTR2A, which is actually related to serotonin. So if your serotonin is off, then you got another joint risk. And what's funny about these, you'll never go to an orthopedic surgeon like, and hear them say, well, let's check your, before we do a knee replacement or hip replacement or whatever, let's check your thyroid hormones, right? Yeah. You'll never hear him say that. But in reality, for you, that would be a really valuable thing, you know, because mm-hmm. we can pre- we could probably prevent a knee replacement, you know, way down the road if we keep those optimized rather than, yeah. you know, just just chopping it. I mean, the problem with these replacements like that is then it's just a, a vicious cycle of future surgeries and yeah. future shenanigans and future pain. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and same with the the serotonin like you'll never go to an orthopedic surgeon <laughs> you know it's 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 a guess right like they're gonna go with the thing that makes the hospital the most money which is the surgery and and you know they're not being precise enough even though the technology today is precise like the dna it's mm-hmm. here like the info is here right yeah anyway so that's a big one and then then sugar is another one like that you have a, a risk for gout that a lot of people have and gout is when you have uric acid building up in your joints mm-hmm. but that's related to sugar it's a sugar transporter it's actually a fructose transporter and so if you've got a lot of fructose in your body in your blood so if you're eating you know usually if you're drinking soda that's the real right. killer right. then it, then it builds up uric acid in your joints and then the doctors tell you to stop eating meat Right, which is hilarious because you don't have any gene issues there. You got a fructose transporter. Is alcohol also in the same category? Uh, not not in this one. No, there are some genes that, I mean, it's probably not going to help because it's not going to, your liver is not going to be able to deal as well with fructose. But um, if you don't have enough, if you're, not, if you're not burdened with a lot of fructose, I'm not that worried about that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, overall, it's not that bad, right? Like most of those genes relating to your joints, you're probably already doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I would definitely prioritize that blood check with the, some of those thyroid hormones. Keep tabs on those. Yeah. Uh, they go so, down as we age, you know, like thyroid hormones decline in everybody yeah. as you age. It's so like 80-year-olds, they all should be on some thyroid optimization <laughs> probably. Yes, yeah, it's like if, if your thyroid is low, then you'll also be... At a higher risk Low of energy. obesity, which in turn right. is also, also going to increase your chance of you know other diseases like diabetes and uh, exactly and those things. Yeah, and you just have low energy, so yeah. you know who wants okay. that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's move on to the last section, which is the sleep genes. Yeah, right on. Um, and you've got really good genes here. You only have three in this whole section. Most of these categories, you got like twenty or thirty genes. Um, oh, in the overall category, sleep, you got three. Uh, the, 
like you have a risk for seasonal affective, which is way down at the bottom. In other words, like seasonal affective disorder, some people call it sad. That just means more depression in the winter. Um, so you want to be careful with light and things like that. Like not, you know, don't, a lot of people wear blue blockers and things. Don't wear them in the daytime. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want that blue light in your eyes to yeah. most of the day, like for a lot of the day. <clears throat> um, yeah, especially the in real, Estonia, we don't get like sunlight exactly. either. So yeah, it's right. yeah, pretty useful. Yeah. So, and, and like I say, at a younger age, you oftentimes don't see that issue, but as you age, it oftentimes comes out more and more obvious. And then, then you might need to go down south, you know, go down closer to the equator for a, a week every winter and that fixes it. It's amazing. Nothing beats the sunshine. There's no question yeah. with that gene. There's ways to kind of increase the light and get a UV lamp or whatever. And I have one of those. I have a vitamin D lamp mm-hmm. um, and that definitely helps it, it and, and keep that in mind. But yeah, hopefully it doesn't, you don't really have too much of an issue, but the, but the big gene, the plus plus clock gene you have mm-hmm. <clears throat> that one, it leads to just less, you know, it makes it harder to, to stay asleep. Um, and that one, they've, they've done studies on that specific gene and they found lithium helps like low dose lithium, like five milligrams per day mm-hmm. <clears throat> and magnesium is super important for that gene. Mm-hmm. So you're like a higher responder to magnesium in terms of calming, calming effects and the sleep. So that's the really, I think that's the most important. And you are blue light sensitive, as you can see with that other gene, that third one in this category, TYR. Mm-hmm. I mean, so watch out for blue light in the evening, you know, get it all day. Don't get it too close to bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, did, pretty I, good. I did notice like when I first started using the blue blockers, then uh, mm. my aura mm-hmm. ring score on deep sleep increased like 15%. Oh, yeah. So, right. Yeah. 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 That's cool. No, I mean, it's your genes, you know, and um, some people have really extreme genes in that section and they're really, really sensitive to blue light and some people aren't, but you know, some people aren't at all. <laughs> yeah. It does nothing for them, but, but yeah, I think um, magnesium I would for sure take because most people are suboptimal in magnesium anyways. Yeah. But you could tinker with lithium. Lithium would be an interesting one just as a biohack, just to see. Yeah. Well, I haven't been drinking it, so <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, that's overall it's really good genetics. Obviously, we skipped a lot. You know, we skipped around, but we didn't skip anything major. You know, it was yeah. oh, it was it was great. Well, yeah, that's good. It's good to hear, so to say. <laughs> didn't have oh, yeah. any major problems, and all of them are kind of manageable. And uh... yeah, right, and that's generally true. Like I said, people get so afraid of of you know this and it's always manageable you know it's like it's always something you can fix yeah that's just it just varies a lot between different people on what the fixing is you know uh so yeah well i think we're gonna start wrapping the podcast up as well so uh yeah 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 yeah, like where where can people uh, get more information about your uh, consulting services and uh, where can they find it yeah it's a website called ajconsultingcompany.com, which is a terrible website name, I know. <laughs> but I came up with it. There was a, a long time ago, there was a, a contract with the government I was working on, and they made me just 
out of thin air, create a business name really quick. And I put it on paper and it's stuck. It's just stuck, you know? So ajconsultingcompany.com. <clears throat> it's all on there. I have coaches. I've, I have DNA coaches. And of course I do DNA analysis as well. <clears throat> um, excuse me. My throat's really been something today, but um, basically I create all the reports and then I've got people that are also trained in interpreting these reports. So a more affordable option for some people is to just use my coaches. Mm -hmm. Of course they can do it directly with me as well. Yeah. And before they get like the, before they come to you, they should also have like the, DNA blood test done on one, exactly. one of on, on one of the other companies spit like the spit like, test. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's preferable that do the DNA test first. Some people they schedule with me just because I have a wait list. Sometimes, sometimes my wait list is like two months right now. It's not that bad. Um, but then if they schedule, if they get on my schedule first and then they do the DNA test, the DNA test usually like from 23 and me, it usually takes like six weeks. Of course, over in Estonia, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but, but in America, it usually takes about six weeks so they can get on my schedule first and do it. So either way, either way is fine. Right. All right. Well, uh, we're going to put all the links in the show notes and, uh, my well i'm gonna ask my last question again like what's maybe have you changed your mind about like what is one of these advice that you wish you started sooner oh man well for me i have that methylfolate gene the bad one c677 t i wish i would have taken methylfolate way sooner because it made a huge impact on my sleep nice <laughs> well yeah, yeah it's, it's a big one definitely there's yeah. so many yeah another <laughs> another example of uh, knowledge is power <laughs> Exactly. All right, that's it for this episode of the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. You can now order my new book, Metabolic Autophagy, that covers a lot of the same topics that we talked in here. It's a collection of certain lifestyle habits and practices that prioritize longevity as well as performance. To support this podcast, you can also become a Patreon and get exclusive video lectures from my biohacking bootcamp that covers circadian rhythms, intermittent fasting, autophagy, resistance training, biofeedback, and many more. But other than that, my name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.